All right. We have been, that's enough of that nonsense. We've been in a study in the book of Philippians. So if you would uh, go ahead and turn there to chapter 4. We're going to pick back up. Uh, We're going to try to do something unheard of. I'm going to try to go like only 25 minutes. Like that's, that would be a miracle. That, you know, we're going to try it. So if I keep talking about it, we won't make it. So we're just going to get going. We've been in Philippians. We've, we've seen you know, the, the pattern that Paul follows when he writes these different letters to the different churches is the first half of the letter is all doctrine and teaching. There's obviously practical things in there, uh, but he's setting up a lot of different things that the church needs to know and they need to understand. And then the second half is always, now that you know those things, I want you to go ahead and take those things and apply them in these ways. All right, and so we're going to see a little bit more of just very practical stuff tonight. Um, and this is, this is basically some of Paul's parting thoughts to the church in Philippi. And so we're just going to go ahead and jump right in there. And we're going to read Philipp- Philippians uh, chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 8. We'll read through 13. And if you did not get a, a, a note sheet, they're just on the tables, as you know. Uh, so let's start off. Finally, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And what an awesome little passage packed with so many valuable messages and verses in there. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, we'll get right into it. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this message and for your word and the, the words that Paul shared with this church that, man, they, they can be such a comfort and such an encouragement to, to those of us who are, are struggling with fears and anxieties and the what-ifs of life that are constantly around us. You know, what do we do if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And, and we have a lot of fears and worries. Lord, Paul is saying that the God of peace, you can give us peace beyond understanding. We saw that a couple weeks ago, Lord, and it's such an awesome promise. And so we're just praying that you help us to get a hold of these truths, to, to be able to apply them to our lives and understand this peace that he's talking about. And then when we have it, others are going to want to know about it. And so just pray that we'd be a great example of your love and, and of your truth. Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the title of the message tonight is just to rejoice in all things. Right? The only way that we can rejoice in all things is to focus on the correct things. Right? If, if you focus on all the, the wrong things, there's, there's nothing to rejoice in. There's nothing to be happy about. There's nothing to be excited about. If we're going to focus on the right things or the correct things, you know, that will help us to be able to rejoice. And lucky for us, right? Paul gave us a nice list at the very beginning of this passage. And so we need to, first of all, number one is be focused. We need to focus on the right things. 
And again, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, lovely, and things that are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And so we've seen this entire book, Paul has said, you know, you guys be followers of me as, as I'm followers, as a follower of Christ. Do the things that I'm doing. You know, focus on the Lord the way that I'm focused on him. Sacrifice yourselves the way I'm willing to sacrifice my life for these things. And, and God will provide peace in your life. And so there's a list on there. We're not going to go through these. I just gave this to you if you wanted to look these up a little bit later. These are just some good verses to go to for some of the definitions of those terms. What I want you to notice is there's six different terms, and it kind of looks like they're grouped in, in sets of two, right? Because the true and honest, obviously, are very similar. Just and pure are very similar. Lovely and a good report. So true... Something that's true is something that is the truth, right? And somebody that is honest is connected to the truth. And it's kind of like he's given us these two categories of virtue and, and things that are worthy of praise, right? There's a virtue of truth, right? If we stick to the truth, then we are honest, right? So they're, they're kind of grouped together. And, and so we're going to see how those play out. Truth goes with honesty, obviously, um, he says just and pure. Things that are just are things that are righteous. Things that are according to God's law and according to God's word and according to God's will. Those are the things that are just. And so if your life is aligned with the things that are just, then your conscience and your life and the things that you do, those are going to be pure things. Right? So those are connected. So if you're, if you're focusing on these things, these virtues, then it has a direct impact on your character quality. Right? If, if your mind is stayed on the right things, it starts to impact who you are. It starts to change the way you act. And, and things that are lovely, right? L-Y is just the act of love. Things that are of love, of course you're going to have a good report. Everybody wants somebody around that, that loves them. Because love is when you sacrifice yourself for the good of others. Who doesn't want that around, right? So the first of the categories is virtue, letter A. And we see Ruth chapter three. Ruth is called a virtuous woman. And virtue, if we look in Second Peter chapter one, we, we know this verse, if we're to add to our faith, virtue, right? The first thing that we add to our faith is virtue. Virtue is just doing what we know is right and not doing what, what we know is wrong, right? So if there's virtue in your life, you're, you're walking with the Lord in, in accordance with what he's shown you so far. Maybe you don't know that much, but what you do know, you're taking steps to follow that. Right? That's virtue. And, and what happens is God gives you a little bit more information, and, and you obey that. And he gives you a little bit more, and, and you just walk with the Lord that way. Proverbs 31, the entire chapter, is about the virtuous woman. So you can check that out and see how God describes virtue in, in the life of this woman. Second uh, Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Right? The power that God has given us in our lives through a relationship with Christ pertains to everything that has to do with life and godliness. 
right? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, right? The knowledge of him. We learn in his word. We get to understand what he expects out of us through his word. And he says when we follow that, that's virtue. He says, uh, he goes on in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says, you stick with me, stick with my word, stick with my revelation for you, and and you're going to escape all of that the world has to try and draw you away with. And those things are truth and justice and love. So when these three virtues become a part of who we are, then we start to be able to receive praise from God, which is a weird concept, right? We, we came here tonight and we sang some songs and, and thanks, Nick, for bringing Kale in. I know this is one of those weird nights where there's like 12 people missing, 15 people, and, and they all have you know, something that they had to do tonight. And so that was cool, you guys leading us in worship. We, we came here to praise the Lord, Right? We want to get into his word so that we can better live lives that praise the Lord. But somehow, some reason, there's different passages that talk about the Lord praising us right back. <laughs> it's this weird concept. Proverbs 31, 31 says, Give her of the fruit of her hands, this is the virtuous woman again, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Right? There's, a, there's a reward that you get from working hard. Obviously, this is not praise from God, but we see that in Romans 2.29. He says, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. He says, if you praise my son, I'm going to lift you up for that. Right? If you worship Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the, on the cross... He says, then, then God turns around and, and praises you for that. That's crazy. It's pretty awesome. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Not praise for God, praise of God. Now, obviously, we want our lives to praise God, but, but God is going to reveal what's on our hearts, and if our hearts are for Christ, when we get an attaboy, right? That's going to be a good thing, right? We want, to be a, we want to hear from God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the praise we want to hear. That's the reaction that we want from God. And those, again, those character qualities are honesty and purity and a good reputation, a good report. So we all know, most of us know, that uh, the well retreat is coming up again because July's coming, so you gotta make sure that you ask your boss to make sure that you get you know, off work early enough on July 19th so that you can stay overnight with us at Camp Buckeye. This is my commercial, right? We're gonna go Camp Buckeye July 19th and 20th. We're gonna have Kenny Morgan as our guest speaker. It's gonna be an awesome time. Um, so you're going to want to make sure that your boss lets you off in time so you can hang with us. It's going to be a great time. If you remember last year, we were at the same camp, and Pastor Troy left us with some incredible teaching. One of the things that Troy said was that your mind is the gatekeeper of your heart. You guys remember that lesson? It was an awesome 
It was an awesome message. It was just, it was great for me to hear. I've got it on your, your sheet. Your mind is the gatekeeper of your heart. Nothing gets into your heart without going through your mind first. And that sounds maybe just obvious or maybe just very simple, but thinking about that, the, the battle in your life that, that you have to deal with most of the time is in your mind and in your heart, right? Anxiety is in your mind. It's in your heart. The things that you fear, the things that you worry about, the things that consume you, the things that make you make bad decisions or good decisions, they're all in your mind and in your heart, aren't they not? And, and if those things are out of control or those things are in control of what you're doing, well, then you're going to end up living a life full of anxiety. You're going to end up making rash decisions because you don't like the way you feel or you're afraid of something. Um, you know, there's, there's many, many times when the decisions you make out of fear are the opposite of what you should be making, right? We've all experienced that. So your mind is the gatekeeper of your heart. Nothing gets into your heart without going through your mind first. So if you're putting the right things into your mind on purpose, it's going to give you the right heart, right? God is after our heart. He wants our heart to belong to him. Before you know it, you'll learn how to be content that Paul talked about next. That is our next point is, is being content. First of all, we need to be focused we need to focus on the right things, and the result of that will be contentment. He says in verses 10 through 13, we'll read this again. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful. Right? I knew you cared for me. You were full of care for me, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Not, not great gain is great gain. He said godliness with contentment. Being happy with what you have or where you are, whatever state you are in, I'm not talking about Ohio, but you know that's a state too, your status, how you're feeling today, what you're going through today, what people are doing to you, how they're treating you. He says godliness with contentment is great gain. Because when you have contentment, there's nothing anybody else can do to you. Right? They can't take you away from him. Remember, when we were in chapter one, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. How can he say something like that? Because he was content. Right? He, was, he was satisfied with his lot in life. He was, he was okay with the life that God had called him to. He didn't need more. He needed Christ. For me to live, to live is Christ. To die is gain because I'll be with Christ. Proverbs 30. This is one of my favorite little passages. This is awesome. Proverbs 30 verses 7 through 9. Two things have I required of thee. This is a, a man's prayer to God. Deny them, de deny me not. Deny me them not before I die. Those words are not in the right order for me. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. 
Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Did you catch that? He says, don't, I don't want to be rich, and I certainly don't want to be poor. Just leave me in the middle so that, so that I know that I need you every single day. And that I don't mistreat other people to get what I need. Right? He said, Continue to desire God when I'm full and to trust God when I'm empty. That's, that's hard to say, isn't it? Paul said he knows how to be both abased and how to be abundant, and that's, that letter A is abased. Luke chapter 18, tells a, Christ tells a parable about two men who go to the temple to pray. One of them's a Pharisee and the other's a, a publican, which was a, a person that was looked down upon, a sinner. Uh, a Pharisee was somebody who was obviously high up in, in the religious ranks. Uh, verse 11 says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Right, he's using this guy as an example. He's, he's kind of making fun of him to God. Thanks, thanks that I'm not a bum like this guy, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> a little arrogant, right? He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. There's that word. And he that humbled himself shall be exalted. And they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. And uh, when Jesus' disciples saw it, they rebuked them. They were like, get those kids out of here. But Jesus called them unto him and said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Man, this word abased means humble, or to be humbled, right? And it's not just, you know, I know how to be prideful and I know how to be humbled. No, that's not the point that he's making. He's making the point that if, if God humbles you, can you take it? Can you handle when life humbles you, when life gets tough and when life gets, gets you down? Certainly don't lift yourself up in pride. We know that. Ezekiel twenty one twenty six says, Thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem, and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. There's, there's going to be different times in your life when you experience each of, the, each of these, right? Sometimes you'll be prideful and God needs to put you down a little bit lower, and he wants to know how you're going to handle that. Can, can you handle when God thinks you're a little too high on yourself? Paul could handle it. The second thing that he could handle, and we'll see this, we'll see the, the abase him being abased here in, in this a couple of passages here as well, but the second thing is being abundant. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. So how do you, how do you get abundance? Well, you stick to the stuff. You stay faithful. And when it's time to, to abound, God will take care of you. But in the meantime, stay faithful. Stick with the stuff. Uh, it says, he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So the, the abundance of fruit comes from abiding, from staying with Christ, from sticking to him when things are abased, when things are low and difficult, when life is 
putting you through the ringer, so to speak. He says, without me, you can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, this is an example of, of Paul's maybe perfect balance of both of these. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. He's got an abundance. He's got more revelations. He's got more personal information from Christ about what the church is supposed to be than anybody else ever had. And if it was me, I'd be prideful about that. I'd think, you know, look at me. Look at me, y'all. I got my letter to this church and my letter to that church. And I know some stuff, right? I mean, that's just, just how stupid I am, right? But Paul, Paul understood why he was given those things. And he also understood why he had a thorn in the flesh. It says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So who knows what this actually is? Maybe Paul just looked horrible. (laughs) We have no idea. You know, he's super smart, but man, I can't even stand to look at the guy, right? I I don't know what it is. But there was a thorn in the flesh that kept Paul from being prideful, and it kept other people from elevating Paul to a level where he didn't belong. Can you handle that? If life throws that at you? Uh, No thanks, right? He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. This is a man who had the gift of healing, right? Could he not not heal himself? Probably not. He said, I I asked for it three times that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So you're perfectly qualified if you're weak. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is, this is like the perfect balance of, of abundance and, and being abased and being humbled. <clears throat> First Timothy 1.12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, he's given me an abundance of ability, for that he counted me faithful. The reason he gave me that abundance, the reason he gave me those abilities, was because I stuck to him. I was faithful in, in putting me into the ministry. So, we'll wrap this up. When my mind is right, when I'm focused on the right things, when I'm focused on that list of things that he had above, my heart has access to the right help, right? Abundant resources are now accessible for me. If my mind is focused on the Lord and his word and the truth and I'm, I'm, I'm just looking to add that to my daily routine, like this world, this world if, you, if you're sitting at home and, and you're watching Sports Center and you're, you're on Facebook or you're on some, I know Facebook's just for old guys like me, but if you're on whatever social media and that's the only input you ever put into your mind, what are you going to agree with? You're going to agree with what this world has to say about you, about what you need, about who you need, about the image you should have, the way you should look. All of the things that everybody's clamoring for that don't satisfy, that don't give purpose, that don't give meaning, that, that don't take away the anxiety, they just make it worse. Because once you have those things, and once you are those things, you realize, well, I need more, and I need, I need something else. 
because this didn't do it. If that's the only input into your mind, you're going to agree with the world, and you're going to be sick like the world. You're going to have the same anxiety that the world has. But only focusing on what Christ has to say that, that strongly disagrees with the world, and seeing yourself the way he sees you, and seeing the things that you ought to, to strive for, that's the only time when we correct our minds from what this world tells us. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That one might be worth memorizing. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Psalm 16.8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What is it in this world that moves you? that knocks you down, that gets you to, to falter from what he's promised. So you cannot set the Lord before you unless you have that book open in front of you. I've set the Lord always before me, he says. Romans 4, talking about Abraham, this is an awesome passage as well. Verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God or giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded where? In his mind first, right? He, he's, pulling, he's fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Do you believe that God's able to come through on what he's promised? I mean, sitting here in front of me, if I'm looking at you, of course you're gonna say yes, right? But when anxiety hits, when fear hits, when situations come, when difficulty is there, do you still believe him? We looked two weeks ago at Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. He says, be careful for nothing. Be full of care, consumed with nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the peace that we're after, Right? And it's only going to come if your mind is stayed on him. And that's only going to happen if your mind is in his word. We've got one more phrase on the, the bottom of your sheet. It says, if my mind is focused on the truth of God's word, my, my heart can be content in any situation. If my mind is focused on the truth of God's word, my heart can be content in any situation. That's what his word promises. That's a, that's a huge promise. One of the biggest problems that people suffer with, suffer with today is anxiety. It's fear. It's the unknown. It's the what ifs. It's, it's all of those things. What if I don't make the right decision? What if, I, what if I do this and that happens? You know, They're playing chess with their lives trying to figure out moves, 30, 40 moves in, in advance, and they just don't trust God right now. And so they either don't make decisions at all or they make terrible decisions. <clears throat> and we all do that. This is not the power of positive thinking that, that we're describing here. This is the power to transform both your heart and your mind by the truth of the word of God. We're first of all transformed by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. He says he's made us a new creature. 
We're, we're different from what we were before, but somehow, most of us, many of us, along the way, somewhere, we just, we just start thinking different than that. Right? He's made us different, but some reason we go back and we think like the world thinks. He's made us a new creature. He's given us the Spirit of God to help understand something that we didn't even have access to before. Yet somehow we behave like we don't even have that. You have direct access to the mind of Christ. So we need to get in the book and allow his mind to correct our minds so that he can mend our hearts. So that he can be the boss whenever the fear comes. Right, so he can lead us out of it. All right, I'm going to pray real quick, and we've got some discussion questions. This is a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally, obviously, we, we have a worship song at the end. Um, but after I pray, go ahead and get in groups of like four or five or whatever. Um, and, and just go through these questions and talk about some of these things on here. Um, hopefully this you know, will help you to, to kind of walk through this passage a little bit more. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for all, all these folks that came tonight. And I uh, pray for those who weren't able to make it, uh, that uh, everything's good, and that uh, they'll be here with us next week again. And uh, just pray that uh, you were glorified by the time we spent in your word, and pray that you're changing our hearts right now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.